0: welcome to episode 243 of Troubadours and Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum, Demure. On this week's program, we have our regular contributor, resident philosopher, winemaker, author, Almighty Todd, talking with us from his homestead in Stockbridge, Vermont. And we'll be talking with the Almighty about... A Load of Lumber, Wine Season, The Soullessness of the Republican Party, Halloween, Autumn, and His Donkeys, Mojos, and Rosalitas, among other things. We also have an EW essay titled The Lemonade Stand, an IQ test a Trump IQ test from the New Yorker magazine, more specifically, and a poem titled, Halloweeny. And all of this, as is usually the case, will be circumscribed, inundated, infused with several great tunes. Let's get to it. Episode 243 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours. Drone pockets of pissant purity, all in the hopes of fear-free security, in exchange for certain lifelong obscurity. Is this a humble, respectable way as a human to be, or do the train of spiritual, mystic mystery, be stymied through the misery? That accompanies your choice to exist as a leaf on a branch, blowing and still as the seasons come and go, measured and predictable. Happiness, love, being alive are overlapped, I think, with sadness, fear, and distrust. As you work toward more near the girth and fullness of a life dynamic and true to you. And aware, too, that you are they and they are you. So few do we truly have. We mustn't waste it. You fellows are legitimate, true. Women, men, and those who pretend... Evolution, revolution, true love and expression, sitting quietly connected are all simultaneously at hand. It all starts with your first lemonade stand.
1: The reason we're here As
2: man and woman Is to love each other
0: That you
3: conundrum? Oh, you finally got through.
0: Yes. How are you, my friend? I'm doing just okay. Just okay. It's nice to have you on <laughs> Troubadours and Rock On Tours once again. Our our uh, regular contributor, winemaker, author, our resident philosopher, as well, among other things. And uh, he's talking with us from his. Homestead in Stockbridge, Vermont. I understand you got a load of lumber this evening. Yes. Yeah, I came
3: home. I figured I better come home a little bit early because sometimes these guys are ahead of schedule. It's supposed to be five o'clock, and I pulled in at like seventeen of, and he was standing down there looking, looking at the job site, and he's like, "I only been here for about two minutes." So I was like, "Okay." So it was good. We dropped off some lumber. It was a, it's a fresh cut. Locally raised and locally processed <laughs> fine hemlock boards, two-by-fours, and posts. Yeah? What are you going to do with that? We're going to add a shed roof to the side of the barn. Because, um, you know, under the eave where the snow falls?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, it just so happens that that's where the door is for the donkeys to get in and out. And so in the wintertime... Uh, when snow comes off the barn roof, two stories up, you got to get out there right away. Otherwise, it turns into concrete, wow. and, then, and then it becomes kind of a pain for them to come in, and go, and a pain for us to clean that out. So, um, this shed roof will allow if you know it get it could get snowed in. It'll create a tunnel out along the building that'll get them out the gable end and be able to get us with a wheelbarrow out there too. So, it'll it'll be better. We've been planning to do this for a while, and just finally all the pieces came together.
0: And your donkeys, for those uh, folks who haven't heard about the donkeys before, their names Mojo and... Ro- Rosalita. Rosalita. Mojo and Rosalita, yes. You're such a Democrat. You have donkeys and everything. <laughs> uh, we're gonna get... I don't know. I'm
3: still... Donkeys are fiercely independent. I don't know how they got roped into standing in for the Democrats, but
0: <laughs> Yeah, maybe the Democrats pretend they're fiercely independent. Yeah, and, and independent.
3: Republicans elephants have really
0: good memories. I don't know. if Republicans seem to <laughs> No. They don't have a conscience. How can they have a memory? Yeah, so we're going to get to that, but but uh, before we get to that ugly stuff, let's um let's talk a, a bit about wine season. I know you're a big winemaker. You have uh your own your own uh, blog, Vermont Wine Media. You hang out with some really great uh, producers, some vineyard owners and such there in Vermont. Uh, Tell us a bit about the wine season.
3: Well, the wine season is finally wrapping up. I mean, if I had it all together, I gather there's uh, some Louise Swenson hanging in a vineyard on South Hero Island up in Lake Champlain Valley, one of the islands on the lake. And I was... Half thinking about trying to get there, but then there's a lot more rain coming this weekend. I don't know if, it's gonna, if I can pull that off. But other than that, the season's pretty wrapped up except for po- folks who might do ice wine. In that case, the grapes are still either hanging on the vine or have been cut down and are hanging in the bird netting to desiccate a little bit. But for the most part, everything's in the, everything's in the winery. Some stuff's even being bottled already because there's this thing that's a rage called pet nap. Petnat is uh, the most basic form of bubbly wine. It's it's Petnat is short for pétillante natural, And as opposed to uh, champagne method where you ferment the wine and it goes to still and then you add a little bit of uh, sugar and yeast to get a second. You basically prime it like the way you would beer in the bottle. Mm-hmm. With Petnat, what you do is you watch the ferment. And as it gets really close to almost all the sugars used up, then you bottle it and so the sparkling that happens is a byproduct of that primary fermentation and so it's the most ancient form of sparkly wine wow. and it's become very much uh in vogue these days in the among the sommeliers and the restaurant set and i kind of get it in a way because um you know having had people help when we're making wine when you taste wine that's not done yet, I mean we're used to trying these fine wines that are settled and they're clear and they're coming out of a bottle and they've been sitting for a while and they're, they can be lovely and beautiful and everything. But there's something about freshly fermented or still fermenting wine that anytime I've ever given somebody a taste of it and it was their first time tasting wine in that stage, you can see all these light bulbs go off that I think are really primal. And touch back to a time when we first experienced crushed fruit leaking into juice, and that juice starting to ferment and tasting it, and being like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" Yeah. <laughs> and and so the pet nat in a way, kind of captures that essence in a way that no other form of wine does. That's my that's my take on it.
0: So is it is it cloudier?
3: Uh, yes, it can be cloudier. Um, if it Usually it'll throw off enough solids that folks will have to disgorge it, which means they have to turn it upside down while it fit and it's just fermenting in the bottle and get all the solids to go down to the end so that they can then pop the top and then top it up with more wine of the same and then cap it again before it goes out. And even then it might have a little bit of cloud to it. But um, So yeah, it's what they call natural wine or raw wine. And uh, I, I have to say... If you ha- ever have the chance to try it, and you like sparkling wine at all, it's worth checking out because it's a it's a, a lens into the grape in a way that we don't normally experience them.
0: And what what uh, vi- vineyards are producing it that you could suggest for us to to look for? Oh, I well, geez, I think anybody
3: that's a small handcrafted vineyard at this point, if they're on the tr- on watching the marketing trends are probably playing around with it and at least doing it in small lots. Um, some may be doing it more widely. I mean, I'm, I'll am i tout my friend here at La Garagista in Vermont because I don't know if I brought this up the last time, but even if I did, I'll blow the horn again. Um, these are folks that are working with cold climate fruits that can grow up above the the frost line where and the freeze line where most other grapes can't grow. And my friend Deidre Heekin has been – she's on the short list by Enthusiast as Winemaker of the Year for, short, for she, 2017.
0: She's on the short list of what was that?
3: For Winemaker of the Year wow. for 2017 by Wine Enthusiast. And is that a respectable organization, Wine Enthusiast? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like it's – actually, all of our minds were blown when that happened. I mean just to be listed there is amazing given the fact that what's happening here on the edge of the wine world is really – pretty far out from most people's perspective and the fact that she's crafting things uh with basically doing as minimal intervention as possible whereas there's a lot of times folks work with these cold climate fruits and try to figure out how to make them into something that people will recognize as another kind of wine and you can do that through manipulation of the fruit juice and the right kind of yeasts or whatever but what they're doing at la gargista is really it's doing all wild ferments they're handling them very uh, gently, both in the vineyard and in the winery. And so, what's coming through in whatever you taste is really a kind of a pretty mer- pure manifestation of the fruit that grows here. And so, it's really cool for them to be recognized um, in that way. But also, it's a recognizing on some level that there's there's something happening out on the fringes beyond what uh, the wine world thought was possible. And so that's and that's kind of a cool. A cool thing, given that there are so many places under the in the traditional wine world that are really under huge pressure from either human development or climate change, that make it questionable whether they'll be able to continue to produce fruit and wines the way they have traditionally for hundreds of years.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, what the the fires out in California uh, recently have uh, devastated a lot of vineyards, and that's due to well.
3: Well, actually, let me – I'll just – because I've been watching this and I find this interesting is that there were definitely wineries that burned down. There were a lot – structures suffered these blazes terribly. But, but it turns out that the vineyards didn't – themselves didn't burn that badly. I mean – and because there wasn't a lot of grass on the ground on the vineyard floor because they managed that and the vineyards are fairly green – as opposed to the other stuff around it, which was a lot drier. So it's a good thing for them that the vineyards themselves didn't suffer as badly as they potentially could have, even though it was her- horrifying to see you know, pictures of people driving through neighborhoods where there's a house, and I could see where some of the furniture was still on the first floor, but the rest of the house was just completely gone. There were no walls, no roof, nothing caved in. It was just all incinerated. It was like a pile of ash. Around the perimeter, and then some, you know, remainders of appliances and furniture, and it was just
0: mind-boggling. Yet the the vineyards actually. Now that you mention it, I do remember reading a story where the vineyards were actually acting as a wall. They were acting as
3: fire breaks in yeah. some places. Yeah,
0: and uh, and luckily, a lot of the harvest had already come
3: in, so it was more a matter of losing save, bottled. Yeah, l- 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 losing bottled stuff in wineries that were. Under you know thermal assault, which did happen, um, but also stuff that you had fermenting in tanks. I read about one guy who was able to go and at least do punch downs on his tanks that were out on the on the pads outside the building. Punch down punch down. That's where um, with red wines you ferment all the skins and the seeds and everything in with it, and the carbon dioxide makes bubbles and lifts all those skins up to the top, and you don't want them to dry out because they can start to get uh, volatile acidity, vinegar, taint, basically. But also, if you're trying to extract some of the goodness from the skins, you want it down in the liquid. So you punch, you go with a paddle and you punch the, push the cap down underneath and wet it a couple times a day sometimes. Um, or you do a pump over, where you pump wine out from the bottom and spray it on the top. Uh, but the problem is the power was out. So because the power was out, he couldn't even go in the building. It's not that he couldn't get inside, but because the air exchange wasn't happening, there was so much carbon dioxide from the fermentation inside the building that it wasn't safe to be in there. Wow. So, so there's so, some, you know, some runaway ferments in some places that might have otherwise been controlled through thermal manipulation to the, to the vats themselves. Because some of the big stainless steels have, uh, have jackets that can either warm up or cool down the fermentation.
0: And, and uh, now let's go back to Vermont, from California to Vermont. You you, you mentioned Deidre. Give us her name with the spelling and the vineyard with the spelling so that people could uh, make note.
3: Yeah, Heekin is her last name, H-E-E-K-I-N. And the vineyard is called La Garagista, L-A-G-A-R-A-S-I-S-T-A. It's... it's uh, a la garagista is kind of like in france there's a garagiste, it's somebody who makes wine in their garage well la, la garagista is the Italian
0: version and it's a lady who makes wine in her garage <laughs> so uh Deidre, because that's how
3: it started Yeah, Deidre De- Deidre
0: Hikin, Deidre Hikin. the lady Deidre Hikin, the lady who makes wine in her garage yeah and she's
3: got a she's got a couple of books the one that um came out not too long ago um and got a lot of people's attention was uh, an unlikely vineyard. And it's kind of the story about how they wound up planting a vineyard and, and starting to make wine up in this neighborhood. And it's been really cool to see the development because we, we met them years and years ago when they first opened the bakery down in Woodstock and they first brought real coffee to the town and really great Italian pastries and breads started serving lunches, dinners once in a while finally turned it into the, to the little osteria, a little restaurant that they had always wanted. And then it was probably 10 years ago. Uh started playing around with making wine the same time I did and so we were we were winemaking buddies in terms of talking about what was happening, what was going on, what we wanted to do and um you know, while I'm pretty pretty happy to still continue on in my amateur ways here, they've really they they dove in and have made some stuff happen and made connections, uh, and gotten the wine in front of the right kind of people, and uh, folks are enamored of what's going on here, and I I think it's great for them, but I think it also bodes well for anybody that wants to try stuff a little bit out of the ordinary on the edge of the fermentation world, because uh, the plant material is here for us to play with, and any place you can grow apple trees, you can grow these grapes, and with a little bit of uh, gumption and ingenuity, I think some really interesting stuff could be issued forth from it.
0: Yeah, she uh wrote uh, the introduction to your book Wines of Vermont too, didn't she? Yeah, she did. I asked her to, to do that and she was
3: gracious enough to do it at a time when she was under pressure for a lot of other stuff, but it made sense. And we we do a lot of things together and in fact, I there was a chance, you know, last night there was some there was a, a really, you know, influential wine person who was coming through and having dinner with them and that was kind of impromptu, along with some other folks, and I got the, an invite to go, and I would have, I really would have loved to, um, but I had other stuff I needed to do. But I'm really fortunate that you through them. You had
0: to be at the them, dojo, didn't you?
3: Well, I did have to do that, and then I had to do something else afterwards, so it just it it didn't work out. But but I've I've made good on it enough at times, and been really fortunate to meet interesting people through that relationship
0: yeah this past wow. summer when I came to visit you there was a, a gentleman from California who was passing through and was with Deidre and a guy from Australia as well right they're both yeah uh, and they yeah. hang out with her she's like a little bit of a guru yep that's yeah, pretty cool it is pretty cool yeah and you, you kind of drifted the scene I did I did it was great fun it was great fun and um uh we uh we hope to have uh, Deidre on the show one of these days. You're going to have to get her get her to uh, spend some time with us on True oh, Believer's Yeah, talk. that would be interesting. We could arrange something like yeah, that. Yeah, it would. I mean, you're our go-to guy. You're our you're our uh well, our philosopher in residence. That's what I uh always refer to you as. Uh but the wine is a is an important part of your life and what what you do and uh I'm hoping to get into the club, you know. <laughs> you have that little club. Oh, um, the I club. Think, yes, yeah. we'll
3: have to talk about the club. Yeah,
0: yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll do that off air because we don't have too many people know about the club. You know, it's like the That's right. like it's fight for, club. Exactly.
3: <laughs> you don't talk about
0: wine club. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Damn. All right. So let's move on now to um, how about the, the soul of or the soullessness of the Republican Party. We need some wine. We needed some wine uh. to get into this. Oh, through boy. wine, through wine, the truth we find. You're drinking wine now, aren't you?
3: Uh yes. I'm trying. I'm having a little uh a, a grillo from uh, Sicily. Perfect. Perfect. A, a little white wine. It was a, It was a really a nice day. It, it started raining, but it finished a nice day. And there's a beautiful sky tonight. The quarter moon, some wispy clouds. It's. I'm sitting out back. It's pretty nice. So I thought I'd go with something crispy. Um. Ah, boy. It's interesting because I feel like you know I I don't like to paint with a broad brush, and I feel like there are people inside that party that do have a soul, and they're they're wrestling with it right now because of the you know the pull towards party lines and party unity, but also then the the pull towards. Actual normative and cordial and respectful behavior which is diminishing day by day as a sta- you know as a standard. And so
0: because of 45 yeah
3: Well yes. and then those that, that are either complicit and allow it to continue without saying anything or those that are emboldened and say even stupider things on their own. And so, I did hear something very interesting today, and it was in light of this whole, um, the whole sexual assault, sexual abuse, the scandals that are rife, and that I think this is everybody's doing it. So it's not a big deal that the president did it too.
2: That's crazy. Um,
3: uh, to to think that we're at that point, um, but that it, I think. Someone made a really good point earlier today, and I'll have to you know, go back through what I was listening to, um, but I thought it, it, it was pretty valid, and that was that it goes much beyond the behavior, those incidences of behavior itself, but it's how we raise boys in this country and how traditionally boys have really been uh, brought up in a way – that makes it difficult for them to access their emotional states in a healthy way or be able to relate emotionally to other people in a healthy way so what they wind up with is kind of a slightly lonely existence and the potential for aggressive behavior and that that those aloof aggressive types actually for some for some reason wind up getting put into positions of power and that that in and of itself is kind of explicative of oh, – this is the critical point, is that in that process of becoming detached from people and, and having to bear a certain loneliness and aggressiveness is a loss of the ability to recognize humanity. There's a a dehumanizing disconnect that happens. And if you can now make that writ large and you look at all of the people who might be in charge and if their emotional life really never evolved beyond these early patterns where you believe something if it's been repeated to you enough of times, not because you use deductive reasoning or logical processes to question what it is that's being given to you and what positions you take. And so there's this – there's a very nuanced maturity problem that allows people that fit the the detached, aggressive, even if they're not mature model to reach places of power and influence – and I have to wonder how many people might that describe in the legislative structure that we're looking at today.
0: Yeah, uh, most. I would I would uh, estimate most. I, I mean, maybe that was more than you were asking for, but that's. No, I mean, that's good.
3: That's really that kind good. of that kind of. It, it, I had some connections. So I knew you, what you wanted to talk about, and then I heard that, and I was like, wow. Because it's oftentimes
0: it's really the simple answer. We don't know how to raise boys in the U.S. We don't. No. No. You and I are different. We're sensitive boys, right? Well, that's yes, what, that's but a sense of, of, of political of power.
3: power? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, but at the same time, we both have been exposed to all the other processes enough that we know if we had to behave like insensitive boys, we would know generally how to do that or what to say or, you know, what to do.
0: Yeah. We, we just choose. Even when you're, yeah, we choose not even, to, even when you're busting your buddy's chops, right? Right. You have the capability
3: to do that because it's been, it's been provided to you. That training has been provided to you. Right. And if you've never been given alternate training schemes or alternate ways of looking at situations and contexts, then the default is the crappy
0: way that we raise boys. Right. Right, and, and the other—I mean—you kind of mentioned it. You have to also, I guess, if this is the 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 prevalent uh, approach of men in our society, you have to prepare your boys to be able to handle it, uh, so that they don't cave in or are or bullied by it. Or,
3: yeah, well, the the peer pressure is right. immense, and it's and there's you know there's physical threat.
0: Right, so, on a lot of levels. Yeah, to be sensitive is really to be strong you know i i would say you know to be a bully it's it's not a lot of strength involved there it's just aggression yeah. um but we it, we uh time is running uh slim in our in our uh, segment this go around so we I know we ran a bit of No we didn't no <laughs> we didn't. this is perfectly fine we just have a few minutes honestly uh and i I want to i want you to address so thank you for that thank you for your your analysis of of uh, the soullessness of the Republican Party. How about autumn and Halloween? A couple of thoughts about those uh, pending, or actually they're here now, autumn is at least, and Halloween's coming. Oh, yeah,
3: it's upon us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for me, it's always a bittersweet time because I like the warm weather, and I've been really enjoying this, this, maybe I shouldn't be enjoying it, but this shift of seasons. I mean, it's like spring went all the way through July into August, and then we've had summer up until now. I mean, I was uh, early October. I took a swim in the river because it was actually hot outside. It was hot on the rocks down there, and the water was warm. And it was a little bit bizarre, I have to say. But, I mean, normally this is the time of the year. This is the closing down time. And as I understand it, the Samhain was the old old holiday or feast time in Gaelic uh, past that celebrated the harvest. But it's also – it's almost halfway between the autumnal equinox and the winter solstice. And it's the time where you are moving down into the darkness. And as I understand it, they used to – in Neolithic times even, some tombs were pointed – the doorway to the tomb was pointed to the sunrise at this time of year. I don't know what that means, but it, other than that, people were paying attention to something. Yeah, the sun.
0: And the patterns.
3: Yeah. And so it's a this is a special time when the the barrier between this world and the next world or other worlds becomes thinner. And things can maybe pass between. And so that's the origin of this idea of, of ghosts and spooky things and haunted stuff. But that there's some kind of a, a reminder. I think of it in terms of it's getting cold and are we going to make it through this winter? It's a reminder of mortality. Yeah, that happens, and we're watching the leaves fall, and we're like, "Oh, the leaves are dead, but the tree is still alive. Is it going to live? Will it live till spring?" And then that's where you wait and you watch, and this ah, yes, it's budding out. That tree is still alive because sometimes trees don't come back. You know, right. you'll see, you'll see, you'll have witnessed their last leaf, and uh, so this is the time when we're reflecting on. The, the passing, that there is a cycle, and this is more apparent to all those of us that live in deciduous forests and you know, in uh, continental temperate areas where we actually can see the four seasons go by, whereas on the equator, it's not so apparent. Here, there is a cycle to life that is un- undeniable. And so I think we're forced to kind of see ourselves in that cycle.
0: Well put. Thank you so much, Almighty Todd, our good friend, regular contributor, resident philosopher here on Troubadours and Rock On Tours. And uh, I I wish you the best in the next month or so before we talk again. And um, I can't wait to see you you and have a glass of wine soon. Yeah, we we should figure that out. You take care of yourself and trick or treat. Trick or treat, Kumba. Ciao. Ciao.
4: Come gather round people wherever you roam and admit that the waters around you have grown and accepted that soon drenched to the bone, for the climate is obviously changing, but the man in the White House is no one's to blame, for the times they are a changing back. LGBT and Jews Keep your eyes wide for what's on the news For President Trump is expressing his views And I fear that the mob he's inciting Will soon break your windows And burn down your schools Times they are changing back come mothers and daughters throughout the land a bunch of old men have come up with a plan never mind your ambitions they've a better idea of how you should be behaving So get back in the kitchen And button your lip For the times they are changing back In the land of the free And the home of the brave Martin Luther King is spinning in his grave To see a bigoted bully taking the stage And he calls upon us to be faithful To the ideas he died for in another age For the times they are is cast the slow one now will later be fast as the present now will later be past let's hold on to that idea for a moment and the first one now
1: will later be last for the time
0: from the October 30th, 2017 edition of the New Yorker magazine, The Trump IQ Test, by Broti Gupta and Rebecca Kaplan. Welcome to the Trump IQ Test. It's the hardest test in the entire world, and Barack Obama couldn't take it because he was too scared and because you have to be American to take it. Please answer the questions below, To the best of your ability or lady-ability. Number one, which of these five is unlike the other four? A, Nazis. B, white supremacists. C, very bad people. D, very good people. E, misunderstood Nazis. The answer is C, very bad people. Number two, unscramble this word. M-A-G-A, MAGA. Would it be A, Gamma, B, Maga, C a Gm D, Gam? Answer, B, the A's were switched. Three, if Ivanka is 35 and Melania is 47, what is the oldest that a woman can be? A, 40, B, 48, C, 35, D. 50. The answer? Would accept B. 48 or D. 50. There is no way to know yet. Number four. Police brutality is to very good behavior as kneeling is to A. Very good behavior. B. Pretty bad behavior. C. Really great behavior. D. Spitting on a veteran's widow. The answer, D, spitting on a veteran's widow. Number five, complete the lyric, This land is my land. A, this land is your land. B, the monkey chased the weasel. C, a full three doors down song. Or D, it doesn't need to be complete. It already is. Answer D. This land is my land. Six. Obama golfing is to taxpayer fraud as Trump golfing is to A. Good for taxpayers. B. Good at golf. C. Donald Trump owns many golfs. D. All of the above. Answer D. All of the above. Seven. Donald lost the popular vote by 3 million ballots. Hillary won the popular vote by 3 million ballots. How many votes did Donald win by, if you don't count those people who voted illegally? A. One bazillion. B. 69 million. C. Wisconsin is technically the most populist state. And D. Mexico shouldn't be allowed to vote. Answer... We'll accept B 69 billion. C. Wisconsin is technically the most populous state. and D, Mexico shouldn't be allowed to vote. But bazillion is not a number. Eight. John McCain is too dumb, captured idiot, as Donald Trump is to A lazy. no. B dumb, no. C never captured. D. The flag. Answer Donald Trump owns a lot of casinos. Number nine. One of the following sentences means approximately the same thing as quote, I have tremendous respect for women and the many roles they serve that are vital to the fabric of our society and our economy. End quote. Choose the one that is approximately the same. A. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Grab them by the pussy. B. A person who is very flat-chested is very hard to be a 10. C. You could see there was blood coming out of her eyes. Blood coming out of her whatever. D. If Ivanka weren't my daughter, perhaps I'd be dating her. E. All of the above. Answer, the locker room. Number 10. Nine years ago, a Kenyan illegal was elected president. One year ago, a very smart, white, technically speaking, man was elected president. Who will be elected president in three years? A. A white man. B. A white woman. C. A black woman. D. Ha! Elections! Answer, D. Ha! Elections. But B and C. A white woman. And a black woman were very funny jokes. And number 11, the final question of the Trump IQ test. Which of the following does not belong? 1. A. B. 5. C. 9. D. Brown people. The answer? D. Brown people. Thank you for taking the Trump IQ test. How smart are you?
5: You made me cry When you said goodbye Is that a shame My tears feel like rain Is that a shame You're the one to blame You broke my heart When you said we will ain't that a shame? My tears fell like rain. Ain't that a shame? You're the one to blame. Oh well, goodbye. Although. I'll cry. Ain't that a shame? My you feel the like rain. Ain't that a shame? You're to blame.
0: so dark into an abyss of empty as endless as a lonely night in bed next to someone you never really have known, and for a moment you wish death would find them." <laughs>
2: and skin, hold me close, enough to breathe me in. moon's no a fingernail, scratching on the back of the neck. Sam was all but gone You're the love of always stone
0: And there you have it, episode two hundred and forty-three of Troubadours and On Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks that made this episode possible. First and foremost, our regular contributor and resident philosopher, Almighty Todd. I'd like to thank the New Yorker magazine and writers Broti Gupta. And Rebecca Kaplan. And I'd like to thank these musical artists as well Stefan Grappelli and Django Reinhardt, Amy Mann, The Pretenders, Billy Bragg, Fats Domino and Sarah Jaros, Terrence Blanchard and Branford Marsalis too. Until next week, enjoy this one. Thanks for listening.